This family really loves each other. I know. It's so, that's the hardest part. They really love each They're other. They're all amazing. There's like not an ounce of toxic masculinity in sight from the family. Yeah. They're amazing. I love that. Yeah. Hi, Julian Benzavalli. Hello, Patrick Hines. Oh, fam. Hey, we are getting a lot of feedback from our Facebook mod, Sasha. Yeah. Seeing that so many people are joining the group when we mentioned it at the top of the podcast. Oh, that's amazing. And I think people themselves, when they join the group, they're saying, hey, you told me to come here. Yes. Or like, I heard about it from you. And they're introducing themselves and saying hello. And then we say hello back. And it's so fun. They're making IRL friends. That's right. So go to it's the True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group. There's like over 50,000 people in there sharing dog posts, talking yeah. about the episodes, just yeah. having a good time. We're just hanging out. It's a party. Fam, also join us on the Patreon. Over 450 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge the second you sign up. Yeah, so it's ad-free versions of the regular feed episodes and then bonus episodes of things with like multiple episodes. Yes. So we just did Love Has Won. We're doing Natalia Grace right now. The all curious case apps. of. It's kind of cut and dry. Yeah. It's we're, not that curious. It's not that curious. We're doing them in half. So we're kind of, we're doing two episodes of them as one of, of ours. Yeah, so, so, it's so we're like, doing the first season in three episodes as opposed to six <laughs> episodes. We're doing. Uh, Thank you for stepping in there. And I gotcha. Just getting it out of my mouth. We're doing uh, Ms. Octavia Spencer's The Lost Women of Highway 20. There's a lot going on yep. on the page. Plus all the other like fun stuff. We're doing the drag bingo. Yeah. We're doing happy hours. We're doing cocktail classes. We're doing we're doing it all. All virtual. So yeah. we're, we're, we're really hanging out. Yeah. Girl, what are we talking about today? So this is that series that we think is very well done, Death in the Dorms. Yes. This is very victim focused. This is the second episode and this is the murder of Christian Aguilar. What should have been a great time of life and a great four years... It just became tragedy. You know, I want to find him. When he's still alive. I'm not going home until I find my son. Christian has essentially gone dark. We didn't find anything. We found no evidence whatsoever. It really was just a terrible story. It was a harrowing thing that happened to our campus community. All my energy was focused on the search and finding Chris. We were feeling unsafe. The freshman has gone missing. What is being done? Thought that was in the news, that was in the movies, but that's not the reality. The reality is that's tragedy out there and it can happen. My only frame of reference with Gainesville, Florida is that that's where River Phoenix family lived. Oh, okay. They were in that weird, like, Children of God cult or whatever, and oh, they lived yeah. in Gainesville. Gainesville. Do you know about the Children of God cult? I do. You do? Yeah, of course I is do. Is it crazy? Yes. Okay, great. I think there's a documentary on it. We should I do it. We might be a little is. culted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I after need a Love break. Has One. I gotta tell you, Love Has One really did me And in. we're doing Twin Flames, so it's like I a know. lot of cults. But we'll get on the list for sure. Well, we meet Carlos, who's Christian's dad. I love that he, right at the top, because I know everyone says their kid is the best. My kid actually was the best. Yeah, because the way Carlos and Alex, Christian's brother, describe him, like... When you were talking to Christian, you felt that he didn't have a distraction over any other thing, but you were the world at that moment. Chris was very in touch with his emotions, which I think is kind of weird for somebody so young. He really, truly cared for the people in his life. 
He was really emotionally mature for his age. And I'm like, oh, okay, so just green flags as far as I can see. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, we learned that Carlos, the dad, is really proud of his kids. He came from a poor family in Cali, Colombia. He was the first to emigrate to the country 35 years ago when he was 19. And he was just so happy to, like, make a good life. He brought his wife over a little bit later, just in time for Christian to be born in the U.S. And then Alex, the, the younger son, was born two years later. Yeah, so they're in Miami, Florida. And Carlos really wanted his sons to have all the opportunities that he didn't have especially in college he yeah. really wanted his sons to have the opportunity to go to a college in America yeah and Christian was super focused and he was an incredibly good student he was like an yes. excellent like a star student because he had a lot of passion and drive from a very young age like he knew exactly what he wanted to and do and he's good at all that smarty kid stuff he was into like robotics and like, like science and math meanwhile I was like which way to the drama club oh my god <laughs> I once had someone say after I was diagnosed with ADHD they were like how did you get through math how and I'm did like you? I didn't I know like I barely did when I was a senior I was taking sophomore math I took I was in like yeah. geometry as all a my senior. friends were in like AP stuff and I just wasn't no me and my my friend Stacy. Hi, Stacy. The classroom was broken up into tables, and we kind of sat at our own table. Yeah. I hear you. That was me. I was like, I living... would have been at that table. Thank God for chorus and band. Really I broke know. up the day. That you did. know what I mean? Really Lunch. broke up the day. <laughs> Lunch was my favorite Lunch class. Lunch I was great at. For lots of reasons. I, was I loved it. Love it. Killed it Never late. Never late. N- aced every test. Nailed it. Well, Christian went to Doral Academy. Yes. Which is super fancy pants because it was a school that was like really focused on academics. But as Barbara, Christian's friend, tells us. Common theme amongst students, we all had either parents that were born in Latin America or we were the first generation to be born in the U.S., So there was a lot of commonalities, a lot of Spanglish was being thrown around. Most students had either their parents born in Latin America or they were the first generation to be yes. born in the U.S. So Christian was with a lot of kids like him. I'm sorry. I have I have to say it because I'm thinking it. What? I love the name Barbara. I think it's a beautiful name. But I think it'd be like a weird name for a baby. Like, Can you imagine calling a baby Barbara? I don't know. You should ask my mom. <laughs> I, said, your mom said, yeah. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. There's probably a thousand people in the Facebook group who name her Barbara. I'm not making fun of the name. But it's like it's like a young boy named like... Walter. <laughs> <laughs> you had that one in the you know, chamber. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I absolutely did. Yeah, it's yeah, one of those totally. names. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is baby Barbara. No, and, it's not. That's a Supreme mom, Court justice. And she is an old soul. Yeah. And always has been. So I'm sure it was like, she was like a very cute little baby, but I'm sure it's like, that makes sense. She's a Barbara. All right. A through baby and through. Boy named Walter. <laughs> like oh a little five year old. I know. Walter? They, he wears a newsy cap. He well, has 100%. To. And he Honestly. talks like Boss Baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Girl, this message is sponsored by Greenlight. I'm so excited to tell you about Greenlight. Yeah, so Greenlight is a debit card and money app made specifically for families. So let me explain. This is a thing that is like for us, we're really excited to use this with Daisy. It's time for us to be having like money to preparing Daisy for like financial adulthood. Yeah. Look, you gotta teach them young, and I mean it. Yeah, so with Greenlight fam, you can send your kids instant money transfers, get real-time notifications on spending, manage chores, and automate allowance. Now, automating the allowance is the thing that we are going to. Yeah, because the whole thing is about like building financial literacy and independence so they can learn to earn and save and spend wisely and kind of say like, okay, well, my allowance payday is on Friday, so I have to be aware of that. This takes all the guesswork out of getting that allowance paid. And then Daisy gets her own debit card, which, get this, we were able to customize for her with a picture of Golden. It is the cutest thing. You can customize these debit cards. And then she can look at the app to see how much money she has on her debit card. Daisy really is like an entrepreneurial kid. Like, this is going to be amazing for her. And they're making it fun. 
fun because the Greenlight app also comes with an in-app financial literacy game called Level Up. So that helps kids build money confidence through like videos, yes. bite-sized challenges, mini games. They're making it fun, everybody. And like they kids need I never got any of this. I didn't even know how to write a check until I got to college. Oh my god. And get this, more than six million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make responsible financial choices. Yeah, it's time, it's time. Stop putting off the money talk, okay? Yes. Start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash TCO. That's greenlight.com slash TCO to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash TCO. Do it, fam. I promise you, we love it. Daisy loves it. You're going to love it. It's good to start. You it never is. know. Got to start those good habits young. I know. <laughs> Chris really wanted to go to the University of Florida for the science and tech stuff. And that's a really, really hard fucking school to get into, it turns out. Yeah, and it's it's the number one college in Florida, we learn. It's five hours away from home, so it's not like it's across the country, but it's not down the street either. So no. he can be, like, close enough to his family but still have, like, the go-away college Yeah, experience, that's right? where Aaron Hernandez went, right? Like, that was the big football school. Is that right? I, I think don't know. So. I don't remember. You know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? I do. <laughs> We'll actually talk a lot about alligators. It's in this. true, we will. So Sabine is the former student body vice president at yes. U of F, and she's awesome. She is saying that she is also first generation. Her parents are from Haiti and the Bahamas, and she's the one who's telling us. I just remember University of Florida being really bright and sunny. There was always like a sense of people going somewhere. So whether they were, you know, on the bus to class, they're riding their bikes, if they're going to, you know, the right union to go grab lunch, um, there was always like a socializing aspect there. People were always kind of talking to each other. And then I think we really followed that up with our academics um, because we're notoriously hard um, to get into. But also the academics were very, were taken very, very seriously. And she says it's like super hard to get into. So going yeah. there is a badge of honor. If you yes. got in, like you nailed it. Right? Uh-huh. So let's talk to Julia, who's the editor in chief of the Florida Alligator. Yeah. The Florida Alligator, <laughs> as per the internet. Listen to this. Uh-oh. This is actually really interesting. Okay. The independent Florida Alligator is the daily student newspaper of the University of Florida. The Alligator is one of the largest student run newspapers in the United States with a circulation of 14,000 and a readership of more than 21,000. Whoa. Isn't that awesome that is really amazing also it's called the alligator because we're in florida i love it name everything after an animal are you I kidding know. me no i know i know but like that was the like other... if you're a team and you're not named after an animal what are we doing here what the hell are we even Do you know doing? what i'm saying i agree I, we were the dy dolphins okay yeah what were you guys I... did you guys have a team <laughs> uh the fordham rams okay and high school, we didn't have, like, sports and stuff in my high school. Funny, we were also, like, the Emerson Dolphins. There was, like, the five straight guys who played all the sports. That's a true thing. They played every single... There was, like, six of them. Yeah, they had to. They did. <laughs> they were all, like, Conrad Birdie in the musical. <laughs> what, are we going to not have a lacrosse team? <laughs> and then they were all, like, lacrosse. Oh, boy. <laughs> lacrosse is very, very hard. Yeah, And it's I an know. indigenous sport. Is that right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But uh, so University of Florida is very like work hard, play hard. Which I subscribe to. I like that. While on one hand, it's very hard to get into and it's a badge of honor. It's also known as a party school. The University of Florida has a robust Greek life. A lot of fraternity and sorority activity. Football. Even if you don't care about football, like football dominates UF's culture during the fall. Football dominates the culture. This is where Aaron Hernandez went. Well, one of Julia's first stories for the alligator <laughs> I know. is about how know. the local churches wanted to make Tim Tebow a saint. So they wanted to make like a 20-year-old football player a L- saint. Who's this a is, lot. Who's living. Right. This is who we're dealing with. I know. <laughs> Please. Tim Tebow. Like, give me a, br- a 20-year-old football player. I know. Sainthood. Like, please. So we jumped to 2012. It's Christian's freshman year. He's studying biomedical engineering. And we see like those robotic hands 
Because here's what he wanted to do. I know, I he know. wanted to help people who had lost limbs, and he wanted to like build them a hand or an arm or whatever they needed. Like he's 18 years old, and he already has this drive and focus and just passion for helping other people. Imagine unbelievable like, having the ability to do that and then using it for the forces of good. Yeah, you know like, that I, almost never happens. You know how, that thing about how like our brains aren't fully formed until we're 25. Yes, Christian, that didn't apply to Christian I know. because he was like emotionally <laughs> mature. Yeah. He knew what he wanted to do, and he's like a biochemical engineering whiz. I can't imagine it. Like, we see, like, they can make those robot hands move just by thinking about I know, it now. Isn't it's that crazy. wild? It's really crazy. So Chris, they call him Chris. Yeah. Chris starts dating Erica Freeman. Okay, this is a little convoluted, but Erica and Christian had gone to high school together, and we'll learn later, she was dating another one of his friends in high school. They break up. Christian goes to the University of Florida, and she goes to, like, the community college, like, down the street. She goes to Santa Fe College, yeah. Not to be with him because they haven't decided to be together yet. They're like, they, they happen to be in the same area. They go to a, like a kind of like meetup meeting organization thing. Yeah, they're just like friends. Am they, I making this more difficult? Yeah, than you absolutely are. And you're jumping ahead like 10 pages. <laughs> Sorry. So they knew Sorry. each other from high school, Erica and Christian. They were like, Erica's described as she's super nice. <laughs> I'm so Really soft-spoken. She was, quote, a good kid. Just, like, great all around, right? Claudia and myself both like Erica. And we did like that she came from Doral Academy. And that she was a good kid. And if you have somebody there that you know from your past, um, it makes the journey so much more easier. It made sense why they found each other. Carlos's dad is like, Everything was great. Christian yeah. was thriving. He loved school. He's now dating Erica. Yes. And so Carlos says, for the first time, it felt like everything was falling into place, and then somebody came and blew it all up. Oh. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, this is why we can't have nice things, everybody. Jesus Christ. I'm afraid to talk now. Oh, God. <laughs> No, you know what? I'm going to get back on the horse. You should. It's Friday, September 21st, 2012. It's 9 a.m. Carlos, the dad, gets a, a, a call from his wife. And Erica had called the wife, the mom, saying Christian didn't come home last night. He's been missing for eight hours and he's not answering his phone. Yeah. That is every parent's worst nightmare phone call. And good on Erica for saying eight hours, more than enough time for yes. me to start worrying. Like yeah. she just, she makes a call immediately because this is not like Christian. No, he's not. He is at a party school, but he's not a partier. He's like in the robotics program. Like he, he would come home, he would answer his phone. Like it's 9 a.m. He'd be at class. Exactly. Right? Like he would have. And Carlos like hangs up on his wife before she can even finish saying he didn't make it home last night. He starts calling Christian. Christian's not answering the dad's calls and the dad is like, Christian would always take my call. I'm panicking. I'm getting in the fucking car. He goes to the high school, pulls Alex, the brother, out midday. Mm -hmm. Alex is like, this is very unlike my dad. Yeah. Grabs the wife. They all jump in the car and they're driving to Gainesville. It's five hours away. And we will learn later that Carlos made that trip in three and a half hours. Oh my and God. And I believe it. I know. I believe it. So Detective Randy Roberts is here, Gainesville PD, yep. major crimes. And <laughs> major he's like, crimes. let's talk about the University of Florida. They... It's in, it's enormous. Yes. And they have their own police department. They have tens of thousands of students, he says, and so they, they need their own police department. Right. This is not like the campus, like, whatever we called it at my college, which were basically security guards. These are, like, real cops. Yeah, so the, the University of Florida cops talk to detectives. They're, like, working together now. And they tell Detective Randy, look, Erica reported Christian missing, and she brought a friend with her, and this friend is Pedro Bravo. Pedro Bravo was a lifelong friend. They were all from the Miami area. One of uh, Chris's friends at the Royal Academy was uh, Pedro Bravo. They met, I believe, around middle school. They kicked it off pretty well to start. 
and they had just been friends since. They all went to high school together. Like, they all know each other. So, of course, Erica is going to bring, like, their old friend Pedro to help her through this traumatic time. And Pedro goes to the same community college where Erica goes, which is, like, down the road from the University of Florida. Yeah, like, they all went to that fancy, super smart high school. Like, they have a long, long history together. And this is where we learn, if Jillian agrees, I can put it in at this point. Oh, (laughs) God. Just say it. I was right. You jumped ahead. I jumped ahead 10 pages. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Thank you. Pedro and Erica had been dating in high school, but they had broken up. And now Erica is now dating Christian and Christian and Pedro had been friends so they all know each other is this complicated is it not we don't know yet yeah like the friends sort of describe it as like when Erica and Pedro broke up that it it wasn't really a big deal the friends were like oh that's a bummer but it wasn't like a drama it wasn't like they dated from freshman to senior year like they dated a little then they weren't dating anymore and now like two years have gone by and now she and Christian have started like it wasn't really like it's not the newspapers are going to say this is a love triangle it was not that no it is interesting though that like that Christian and Pedro were best friends and Pedro and Erica were dating and now Erica and Christian are dating. I can imagine people having feelings about that. Yeah. You know? And we'll get to the truth and, of all of that. But not too soon. I'm not but jumping not ahead. not too soon. <laughs> it's important to get the facts. No, that's true. The day before Christian goes missing. Christian was going to meet Pedro at a location there on campus. They were going to go get lunch. They were together that evening and Pedro Glass saw Christian near Northwest 13th Street, close to the city limits. Pedro last saw Christian near, he says, Northwest 13th Street. The you cops are like, great. You could have ended with last saw Christian. Yeah. Like, that's it's a, important that to point out that, like, Pedro is the last person to see Christian. Right. So now Erica says to the cops, look, Christian was supposed to come over the night of the 20th. He yes. never showed up. I was really upset. I just kept calling him. His phone's going straight to voicemail, which is another red flag. Yeah. Because that means his phone is off. Like, it's not just ringing and ringing. Right. And so she's calling all their other friends and nobody's seen or heard from him. And then she calls Pedro. Yeah. And she's like, all right, I'm going to the cops. And Pedro's like, you know what? I'll, I'll go. Let me go with you. Yeah. Don't go by yourself. Like, let's do this together. This is where I have the note. Why have we not met Erica or Pedro yet? Yeah. Oh, we we will. Now we meet Brian Kramer. He's the assistant state's attorney. And he says now that Christian is missing, the university has things that they can do to try to locate him. The first of which is that they have a campus wide network. Anytime a student logs in, they can tell that they've logged in and where they were when they logged in. They log in and he isn't there. And Christian hasn't logged in anywhere. So it's like, it's the middle of the day. He should be in class, but he hasn't logged into any of his programs. Yeah, or like the, the Wi-Fi or maybe a swipe because they kind of make it vague. That's what I thought too. I was like, is he swiping back on campus? Like there's yeah. no like big brother, like virtual record of him anywhere. Exactly. And there should have been. Right. So that's the major point. They definitely could have been a little clearer This about is it. my episode of really overcomplicating every single, yes. every single bullet point. Welcome. <laughs> We're all on this journey together, yeah. everybody. But they also, so they get they pull his class schedule so they know where he lives and where he should be in class. They dispatch officers to the dorm and to the classrooms. He's in neither place. Right. So the the university now sends out security alerts to everyone enrolled. Like everyone oh. gets a text. And the alligator puts out a brief right away. Like they're not waiting for the next day's paper. They are on top of it. Like they want it on their website, on their socials. They want to be able to tweet it out because they're saying like he's missing. He could be anywhere. Like he needs our help. People need to know. And the campus is also enormous. Yes. So like it's a lot of ground to cover just the campus alone. Or maybe they're thinking he might even see it. Like, oh my right. God, no, 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 I'm not missing. I'm right here. Yeah, the, you like, know? The, the, he can't be missing, missing. Right. So let's, you right. know, like everyone's trying to think like there's got to be a happy ending here, right? Like yes. he's got, he's he's right here. Yes. 
Yes. So back to Sabine, who's the student body VP. Yes. She learned about. VP. She's the V. She's the V. <laughs> she's awesome. I love that name too, Sabine. I know. Me too. She learned about Christian going missing thanks to the alligator. Yes. And she feels this connection to him because she's like, look, I'm not going to lie and say we were best friends. We weren't. Yeah. But her thing is like, we had a similar upbringing. Like they went to high school kind of near each other. Being like from South Florida, being first generation. I was like, oh, I know his parents are probably like really worried. And like in my role as vice president, the onus was on me to say, okay, well, like how can we make sure that um, whatever search efforts are going on, that we are able to support that as a student government. It's my job to make sure we are assisting the campus police in any way that we can, but also I know what his parents must be going through. Yeah. Like, first-generation kids have that kind of bond where their parents are very overprotective. Yeah, so I just have this I'm image. not saying all first-generation. I'm just saying in this instance. Yes, yeah, Sabine is relating to Christian. Yes. And so, in my head, Sabine's like, like, she just walks out because she's like, she wants the student government to do everything that they yeah, can. And yeah. I feel like Sabine is in charge. And you know what? Who else is going to be in charge if not Sabine? Yeah, we and also, you. like, you know, it's got to be said, like, it doesn't make a super popular school look great to have one of their kids go missing. Like, yeah. we got to find this guy. So, Detective Matt Geckel, here and he is Matt who? Matt Geckel. Look, at, uh, you can't pick your last name. Lord knows I know. Well, Matt Geckel. Okay. Don't fuck with him because no. he's a detective and a digital forensics examiner. Yes. So he's in charge of getting all the information from Christian's phone records or anyone's phone yeah. records or anything anybody does on the internet. It's so funny too because you, I learned more in this episode about what you can actually get in these phone records. Everything. It's not just a matter of like pinging a cell phone tower. No. There's a lot of information. Like a lot. I mean. Stop killing people because you cannot get away with it. Yeah. You just cannot get away. If you are on the fence right now about that, something you might or might not. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So Detective Roberts now, different detective, is talking to Pedro. Yeah. And Pedro, the friend, right? And he's like, so here, they, they're asking him, they're like, okay, you're the last person to see Christian. Tell us more about that. I literally am like, yeah, can we get some eyes on Pedro? It seems like we're like 18 minutes into this thing. Let's get, let's get Pedro in for an interview. Yeah. So here's Pedro's first story. Yeah. The day before Christian goes missing, Pedro and Christian went to Best Buy. They bought a CD. We don't know what CD it is. I'm assuming it was Indigo Girls Rites of Passage. Definitely. Yeah. They drove around to a few more places. I guess these places are not important because uh -huh. he's just like, we drove to locations. Like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> but here's when... I like it when you talk like a cop. Like they, we drove to locations. They went to locations. We got the vehicle they and we drove to the location. Northwest bound <laughs> on... On I-86? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So, 100%. That's exactly uh -huh. where we went. So, Pedro now says that he has told Christian that Pedro is feeling is having like suicidal ideation and suicidal thoughts. Yes. And Pedro was like, I wanted him to stop bugging me yep. about contemplating suicide. I just know he's being so supportive. And honestly, guys, it's annoying. At that point, Pedro said that they got into an argument. And then Christian said, let me out. Pedro said he dropped him off and left. Pedro went home. He took some sleeping medication, was on his laptop. He said he fell asleep. Pedro went home, took some sleeping pills, fell asleep, and he hasn't heard from Christian since. Okay. Yeah, bro, this doesn't sound suspicious at all. You're the last person to see him alive, and you left him off in the middle of nowhere. You had a massive fight, and by 1 p.m. the next day, he's reported missing? Yeah. No, no, no. No. We're not doing this. No. We're not doing this. So, by this point, Christian's family has arrived, right? It's 1 in the afternoon, yeah. And they're going right to the police station. They're formalizing the police report. Yes. It's all official now. And they're, like, they're, everyone 
is trying to get to the bottom of this. They're just trying to give them any information they possibly have, but they don't have any. They're there to get information. Right. So the cops search Pedro's car. With Pedro's consent the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, since Pedro said that he and Christian were in it for hours yesterday, like, let's search the car. They find a McDonald's receipt from the night before at 12.54 a.m. How... This is the one of two receipts that this person keeps that he didn't need to. They're incriminated. What? Yeah. Stay stupid. What is wrong with these people? And the cops are like, 12.54 a.m. That's super weird because Pedro told us that he took some sleeping pills and went yeah. to bed early. So Can, can I just ask you a, a question? If yeah. you went to McDonald's at 1 o'clock in the morning to get some food for any reason and they handed you a receipt, would you keep it? Um, I think it would probably live in the in the cup holder until I, I cleaned out the car. Like if you pay with cash, which I or I guess however you pay, I just I never want a receipt, so I don't yeah. like giving people receipts isn't like a thing anymore. Go, but yeah, going through the drive through, the receipt gets crumpled up with the napkins, I guess probably, that's true. or yeah, it ends yeah. up in some compartment. Yeah. But if I also did something incriminating and then went to McDonald's, right. I would make sure that the receipt was destroyed. Yes. I'd like eat it or burn <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you could just throw it away. Or throw it no away. No one knows you did anything yet. But like you, know you gotta I mean? be smart you just about it. it. You don't have to eat it. But you gotta be smart. About I agree. It. You throw it out miles away from you. Yes. I, why am I giving you advice, criminals? <laughs> Shut up. So the cops confront him. They're like, "Hey, Pedro. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything to say?" And he's like smirking and laughing because we see video of this interrogation. Yes. And he's smirking, and I don't like it. Because the cops, he had told the cops already that he, like, went home, took sleeping medication, got on the computer, and went to bed. I think that's a nervous smirk of, like, oh, fuck, how did I how did I leave that receipt in there? I'm fucked. Right. So Pedro finally admits, okay, actually, Christian didn't demand to be let out of my car. Right. The truth is that I forced Christian, who is missing, yes. out of the car. At that point, I just, I stopped the car myself, and I turned around, and I just punched him in the face. So he hit him in the nose and made him get out of his car. The more I talked to him, the more everything changed. And it wasn't just uh, me pushing him out of the car. It was like, pushing him out of the car, then I got out of the car. Then I, I kept punching him. And then I punched Christian, who is missing, yes. in the face. And also, he needs to add, thank you so much for calling me on that McDonald's receipt <sighs> thing. Because if I didn't say anything, it was going to eat me up inside. It was going to be eating me and up. And he goes, either that or it was going to come back to bite me in the ass later. It's but it's you're Right at, now, consider, we're here. Consider your ass bitten. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> Like, that's what he has the most guilt on. I know. And not like, I have to come clean. Like, I know this is a bad look for me, but here's what happened. We got I know. a physical altercation and now he's missing. It's the McDonald's receipt that's really eating you up. He also says, like, after he punched him, he, like, got out of his car to make sure that Christian was down. And he makes the point that, like, Christian was okay, but he definitely wasn't going to be getting up anytime soon. Yeah, he says that he punched Christian so hard that he fell to the ground and then said, and I quote, he was okay, but he wasn't going to get up anytime soon. Right. So he gets like, in his car and leaves. No, but I'm also just like, is this the point where we stop pretending? that Pedro's not mad that Christian's dating his ex-girlfriend? Right, so Pedro left his lifelong friend on the side of the right. road and went to get a Big Mac. I, Are know, you th- please, I know, please, I know, please. Like, I know. Pedro. So Christian's family is like, fuck all of this. They want to take matters into their own hands. And they go down and start searching where Pedro said they had this big fight. Right. They just go right down there. Yep. And then Carlos, Christian's dad, also calls a friend of theirs. When I was driving, we informed a good friend with the news of Christian's disappearance. And immediately he sent a colleague um, uh, down here to find out and interview us. And that was presented that night on the news. 
This friend calls another friend, and before you know it, bada bing, bada boom, Carlos is on the news talking about Christian's appearance, which is always a good thing. Which is amazing because like what the family is doing is they're they're organizing the search. It's not just the family. The search gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this reporter like follows them into the woods. And like the dad is like talking about his missing son, and it makes it to the news that night. Right. And there are like missing posters and media appearances and Facebook groups. Like yeah. everyone is on the job. But meanwhile, the cops are looking through Pedro's phone and I'm like, all right, Detective Matt, digital forensics, this is your time to shine. Dazzle me, Matt. (laughs) What do you have for me today? Dazzle me. He does. He does. Because they get a court order yeah. to get everything possible from this kid's phone. Like phone records, cell tower information. And I'm like, receipts, Rece- proof, I know. timelines, screenshots, fucking everything. Everything. And it's even more than that. They're able to tell when the phone is like put on airplane mode, when the battery is being exerted more than it had been. Like they, they, they dig into the phone records in a way I've never seen in one of these documentaries. And they're walking Pedro through what he did that night yeah. using the phone records. So he's like, 403, you're over there. 5 yeah. p.m., you're here. 5.59 p.m., you're here. Like, what are you doing in this area for yes. two hours? And Pedro's like, we were just talking. We were sitting in one place <laughs> yeah. talking about how annoying uh-huh. Christian is being for being such a good friend. Right. <laughs> if you remember correctly, that's what I said. And then I was like, oh, my stomach's growling. Should I probably get a Big Mac? So and Christian was McDonald's. like, totally. And I was like, stop being so supportive of yeah. every decision I'm making. <laughs> and then he's like, God damn it, you're such a good friend. Like, you're such a good Let friend. I'm so annoyed. Like, yeah, yeah. And then I left him on the side of the road. I can't be I, any clearer. I've, I've said this eight, eight or nine times. Cannot be clearer. And then he even says, he was like, and then we were at, uh, what is that? Um, like Walmart, I think it's called. Right. And I'm like, he doesn't know Walmart now. I know, I know. He wasn't lying about Walmart, shockingly. And we'll learn why. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like all of this is kind of preliminary. Detective Matt hasn't fully dug into the phone yet. But it's in the middle of this interview that Pedro is now saying he feels suicidal again. Right. So the cops are like, okay. Uh, they Baker acted him. They Baker acted him. It's the Baker <laughs> Act. So... They put him on a mandatory mental health hold. So Pedro yes. thought that this was helping him, but he right. didn't know that he was setting himself up for a trap and walking right into it. Yeah. Because the cops explained the Baker Act. In Florida, there's a, a law called the Baker Act, which uh, if you believe that a person is a threat to himself or others, they can be taken in for an involuntary examination for mental health for up to 72 hours. They can be taken in for an involuntary examination for, like, 72 hours. Which I'm kind of like, Pedro, did you think they were just going to let you go? Like, they clearly can, like, you're the best suspect for this. What an odd lie. If you say you're feeling suicidal, right, because now they've got him for at least 72 hours. They they say they think he's a flight risk, but they've got him for 72 hours at least. And that's, like, the they don't have any evidence on him. It was a perfect way for them to find yes. an excuse to hold him. Exactly. So was this, like, a sympathy right. plea? Because like, they, they don't have enough to charge him, so they would have had to let him go. So this is a little maneuver that Pedro gave them on a silver platter. Yeah, yes. And it's like, are you? were you just looking for, like, sympathy votes? Right. Like, to be like, the poor kid. I know. He's going, like, don't use that or shit when people are actually going through just it. Just consistency, because you said that that's what you said to Christian that made you so mad at him. God, I hate Pedro. I, I just felt like a wave of hatred towards him. Well, you know who I love? I love Carlos, the dad. He tells us that that first night, they stayed in the woods all night screaming and yelling for Christian because they're thinking he's alive out there somewhere. He's disoriented because he got punched and then he woke up and he's like trying to find, like, and that, okay, I get that. It's so sad because it's like, it's just so clear that he's not alive. I know. But like when you're the parent, there's nothing, like I'm thinking if that's Daisy, I would be in, I would be Fred Murray in the woods every weekend for the rest of my fucking life. And you know what? Christian's family is searching for the body, but the, the community is too. Yes. We have started asking people in English, Spanish, French, whatever they can be for every culture, comma, help. Teachers, 
parents, friends, students that didn't even know Christian were definitely involved into finding him. We have students and teachers and parents, all different, like, they make a point to say all different cultures, like other law enforcement agencies. Like, the people of Florida really, really showed up. Yeah, and the alligator, the local paper, is, like, really trying to keep this front of mind. It's on the front page. They want everybody talking about it. They got to find this kid. And they also said that the university was taking care of their students, too, because they were dealing with this horrifying thing that happened to one of them. Yeah. And so, like, and then they were also searching for Christian, but also trying to go to class. Like, they were just juggling a lot. So it was taking a toll on everyone's mental health. And we learned that the school offered mental health services, which I think needs to be pointed out because that great. is forgotten a lot. Yeah. Also, Alex points out that Erica, the girlfriend, was there the whole time. She's yeah. very distraught, very scared, very confused. So, like, remember, Erica and Pedro have the history. So it's kind of like, uh, if he did something to, to Christian, is she involved? It seems at this point very much like not. No, 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 no. Yeah. So September 24th, 2012, four days missing. The cops want to file charges against Pedro. Yeah. And right now they can charge him for leaving an injured crime victim. Yes. Because Pedro's own story is that he assaulted Christian and then left him. So they charge Pedro right away with that at least because I guess the 72 hours are up. We need something. We can do this. Pedro's smiling once again in that fucking photo. I know. And this is when Randy, the detective, also meets with the family and he, like, the dad is saying he couldn't tell us a lot but, like, he does say kind of the obvious which is We're looking for him but the chances, the more the time progress is going to be very tiny that we're going to find him alive. It was devastating. For the first time, I felt like, oh, my God, something bad really happened. This is the first time that I really felt like, oh, my God, something really bad really happened. Like, the dad cannot accept that his son isn't alive somewhere out there in the woods. Totally. So, meanwhile, Detective Matt Forensics, Dazzle Me Matt. here we Dazzle Me Matt. He is looking through Pedro's phone, yeah. and he finds something that blows the case wide open. Yes. There's one log, one file that contains the following. This is so... I've never heard this before. Battery percentage. Yes. App usage. Whether or not the phone is being charged. Here's why this is important. Yes. Because Pedro told the cops that his phone died, right. and he went home to charge it. Because there was a two-hour block that his phone is off the grid. And they're like, what were you doing? And he's like, uh, we were talking. Also, my phone was dead. Yeah. This log... Also, we were at home, but also in the Walmart parking lot. And also, like, shut up. (laughs) And also, shut up. So the log that Detective Matt found says that's not true. No. The phone didn't die. In fact, his phone was in airplane mode because he was trying to hide his activity. But because nothing is ever, like, hidden. Right. It also traced his movements. So the cops were like, they have a map of where he was. So they went to every place that he went and asked for surveillance video. And we see Christian and Pedro together on camera. Yeah. This is massive. That one file contains so much information. Yeah. Yes, and then, but then we also learned... When I compared this to the battery log that we had previously found, I was able to see a significant drop in battery life between about 11 p.m. and midnight. Also, we're able to see that on the day that Christian goes missing, Pedro uses his flashlight app for about 43 minutes. Pedro is also using the phone's flashlight. Mm -hmm. And this is also when the phone is off the grid. So the phone is off the grid. It's losing battery really quickly because Pedro is using the flashlight. For 43 minutes. For 43 minutes. So it's like, what would you be doing with your phone in airplane mode using the flashlight for 43 minutes when your phone is off the grid? And you've been lying to us. And you've been lying to us. So, and I don't like your face. Right. You're smiling too much. (laughs) You're smirking too much. Like once I could be like, wow, that's nerves. Don't smile in your mugshot. I know. Unless you're Nicole Richie. People, exactly. 
exactly. These people are so dumb. Like, how do you ever think you're going to get away with this? How like, do you ever think that? And he's like a 20-year-old kid. I know. And like, but also like, just because your phone is in airplane mode doesn't, like, they maybe can't see exactly where you are, but they can see everything else They'll you're doing you. on your phone. You should have just like thrown, you know what I mean? I know. Like, ugh, idiots. Yeah, anyway, so you got mugged. Keep it up. He, so he took my phone and he, I punched him and he ran into the woods. Okay, whatever. You know what I mean? We'll still get you, Pedro, well, but like, it might buy you another hour. Right. So the cops get a warrant for Pedro's apartment, clearly, yes. based on all these phone records. Here's what they find in pa- Pedro's apartment looks like a 50-year-old serial killer's apartment. It's true. So they find more fucking receipts. They find the receipt for a shovel. Why would you keep that receipt when you're at the store and they give you the receipt? Why are you not immediately throwing away the incriminating evidence? And it's not even like in his car. It's just like in his his apartment. How did it cross the threshold of his door? Keep it up. How many garbage cans did he have to walk past to get to where that that receipt lay? Let me just put it neatly right here. Let me put a book on it so it stays flat. Idiot. So in addition, they find Christian's backpack hidden in his closet. In the backpack was Christian Aguilar's wallet, all of his identification, his credit cards. At that point, whatever hope that there may have been that this wasn't a homicide was clearly dashed. Why would you keep that stuff? You know what I mean? Like, you had the whole day between, like, going to the police with Erica to, right. like, tell them that he's missing, and when they call you back in for an interview to get rid of all this stuff. Why would you keep it? Well, we'll find out why, because not only why would you keep all of this, why are you writing your master plan in journals? Oh because my God. that's what he did. Yes. So they find his journals, and it becomes very clear that Pedro is obsessed with with Erica, Christian's girlfriend. Yes. I took a screenshot of one of these journals. Oh it, my God. Super incel vibes. <gasps> so he has written like, I'm significant! Exclamation oh, point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a list of preferences in girls on the side. No! Short, <gasps> brunette, red, and something hair, and they cut it off. No makeup, giggles often, oh. good smile, expressive eyes, can be silly, good butt, and B-cup breasts. Oh my God! When he's literally screaming on paper... I'm significant and sell to a, so this is where like this gets even worse. Yeah, it, this is terrifying. It gets worse than what I just said. Yeah. Pedro wrote down his plan to get Erica back and part of that plan is killing Christian and getting rid of his body. Yeah. Yeah, and so here's what what happened. So Pedro and Erica dated in high school. And, like, he treated her really shittily towards the end of their relationship. He was controlling, but he would also, like, what's that nagging thing where he, like, would be mean to her, but then also not pay any attention to her? Right, but he would also blow her off. He would leave her at the mall at 1045 and I just, know. like, let her go home. But, yes. like, and so it was And take- she's blaming herself, by the way. I know. She's, like, like writing in her journal about, like, why, what is she doing to make nothing. him treat her like Erica, this Erica, nothing. And, like, what did her parents do to make her think that anything like this would be her fault? Like, like oh, my nothing, God. nothing, nothing, nothing. And, like, she probably wasn't telling her parents any of this like this is just an internalized woman or teenage girl thing so at the end of senior year erica's like fuck this she breaks up with him yeah and she not only breaks up with him she's like i don't want to even be friends anymore yeah get it because you've been horrible to me and like i don't want to deal with you but this is when he starts getting like extra possessive because erica drew a line in the sand she's like i'm not putting up with the way you're treating me yes and then he's like well you know your feelings don't matter and like i want this so we're gonna be together and i'm like well you should have been nicer to her then i mean like it it, it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make make it makes sense. Yeah. So it's the summer before college, after the breakup, and Erica's 
keeping her distance. And at the same time, she reconnects with Christian. They were both at the same like social event. And so Erica describes Christian as a really close relationship. They were like best friends and something was like starting to blossom there. Yes. And so while Erica and Christian are starting to date, Pedro starts like snooping around and asking friends and friends of friends for information about Christian and Erica. So he's like stalking them from afar. Because like we have to remember Pedro and Christian are also best friends. Kind of. Yeah. Like they grew up together. Like their relation, they're close friends. They like, yeah. You know? So Pedro makes a decision that Erica does not know about. He abandons his full ride scholarship to the university in Miami and decides to enroll at Santa Fe Community College in Gainesville, Florida. It's not until around the beginning of September that he makes his presence known to her. And he just shows up there one day like Elle Woods pretending not to notice. Which that, is like, cute when Reese does it, yeah. but absolutely terrifying <laughs> yes. because yes. Erica wasn't expecting this. No. And she is keep, like actively keeping her distance and he was abusive to her. Yes. And she knows that he's been kind of asking about her and now he just shows up. Yeah, that's terrifying. I didn't even consider it like that. It is so scary. Yeah. Like the, just there he is. But then they start hanging out like they're friends again. So Pedro wants to hang out with Christian and to use this, he's like, Christian, I'm really depressed. Like I need right. you to be my friend can you please help me and like who's gonna say no to this but that's the whole thing so like that that's his whole story to the cops that i wanted to go have lunch with my friend who i know is dating my ex-girlfriend and the ruse i used was saying that i am suicidal and then i was really annoyed at my friend right for caring that i was suicidal but it's all a lie he's faking this depression to get close to these people he's manipulating them yes because he already has a plan to kill christian i mean that's the that's what's so diabolical about this is that he moved like when he left the university of miami to come move to this school he did it knowing he was going to murder Christian. Yeah, exactly. Like he's been, exactly. It's been premeditated for weeks and he and wrote weeks. it all down. I can't even. How do you live with that? How do you go to sleep at night knowing I have a plan to kill this person that I am putting into action? I mean, honestly, he was probably like amped about it because uh, he's not like a real, you know, he's right, because, not like, here. How can you imagine that that's going to result in that woman taking you back? Right. Like, you know what I mean? He's not, it's not rational at yeah. all. It's like, it's crazy. And like, okay, so now that we're here, we're here. Like, ha- has he been like this all of his life? Like, he's, he's like, he's just snapped and now he's going to kill a person are there warning signs that we miss yeah i don't know you i know? don't think they were friends at all i yeah. think he was just like hey remember me we went to high school together like i'm here now and i'm really depressed but can you please help me and christian was nice for somebody to be so casually planning a murder that he then fully executes there has to have been something in his past that was right. concerning and but he's also a smart kid because he's on a full ride to this college in miami yeah and i think it's very easy to sort of explain it away like he's heartbroken over erica because erica's awesome yeah so like of course he's heartbroken but but he also treated her like shit. So for him to be like asking around, yeah. isn't that much? I mean, like, of course he's asking around. Was I he creepy mean, about like, it? Sure he was. Like, do people who commit premeditated murder, like, are they the ones that are torturing animals? Are they the ones that like have the things in there? Like, or do you just snap one day and you're like, today's the day I kill a guy? I think it really depends. Like, I think a lot of times it's it's in you. Yeah. And I think in certain situations, it's like, I just fuck. Like, there are people like the Menendez brothers. Uh-huh. And I also think there are people, like, even a lot of the the things we, where it's like a family dynamic. Like, yeah. I don't know if they would kill the guy at the gas station, but uh-huh. they're killing their mom for the inheritance. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, and I don't know if the inheritance not, is on the table. Not the Menendez brothers. No, no, no. Yeah. Just some other story, right? A lot of family dynamics we hear right. about. Like, yeah. I don't know if those, if the inheritance was on the table, if they would have commit murder somewhere in their life down right. the line. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But like to even be driven to that at all is like wild. Yeah. September 28th, 2012. 
eight days missing and everyone on campus is a wreck because remember Pedro didn't go to the University of Florida. Yeah. So like a lot of the, they're just like, what is going on here? So the cops search Pedro's apartment and then they search the car again. Like yeah. I know they found the McDonald's receipt, but this is a more in-depth search with like forensic analysis. Yeah. And here's what they find. They find duct tape and samples from the carpet that contained Christian Aguilar's DNA. They were able to obtain a Gatorade bottle that contained a mixture of Gatorade and diphenhydramine, which is a sleeping agent. They find Christian's DNA in the carpet of the car. They find blood and fluid from his lungs. They find a Gatorade bottle. This is wild. With like with a mixture of Gatorade spiked with a sleeping agent, which yeah. means that Pedro was drugging Christian. They also find stains that are a mixture of Christian's DNA with fluid from his lungs. I know. So whatever he did to Christian, like, made there be lung fluid on the floor of his car. Right. And the cops like, how are like, brutal was this beating? Right. The cops are like, enough is enough. Like, yeah. they, they can confirm everything. They have everything they need. They are charging Pedro with murder. Yes. So October 12th, 2012, hunters who are just out in the in the land in the forest they find christian's remains yeah and they tell the family and like the family just says that they've been so focused on the search they they hadn't given themselves time to think about it's really like when they when the cops tell the family that they're charging pedro with murder is the first time they're confronted with like the idea that like nobody really thinks that christian can still be alive yeah and then like poor carlos's dad has to id his body and like everyone's devastated they say there was a huge outpouring of sadness at the university of florida and this huge visual and even people who didn't like have a chance to know him yet like yes. everyone showed just like how the entire community yeah from all different walks of life were helping with the search like that's all happening now with this vigil it's so interesting how a college community can be like that where you feel like you know everybody at the school though mm. you've never met them you know what i mean yeah it's like a in a moment like, like solidarity or camaraderie yeah. because you're all in at the same place and all those people like saying that they wish they had known him like yeah. they got to know him through the like through the coverage and that he seemed like such a great guy yeah we go back to Miami with Carlos and the family and yeah. that, you know, the dad is saying like they, they searched so hard for him. Carlos, the dad says 22 days without eating properly, sleeping properly with the stress that I have. I collapsed when I buried my son. And I got what they call post-traumatic stress. Um, they start giving me medicine. And he's, like, currently being treated for PTSD. Right. Like, the you know, I mean, think about the dad's journey. Like, he came to this country to give his kids a better life. Yeah. And, and he one was of his doing kids it. ends up getting murdered. Like, and he was doing it. Yeah. Because Christian went, got into one of the hardest colleges you can get into, and he's killing, you know, like. Yeah. Ugh. So, two years after Christian's murder, Carlos says now he has to go into a new battle, which is the trial. Yeah. And, like, there's no guidebook for this, right? Like, no one right. can prepare you for this process. Especially when Pedro pleads not guilty. Give like, me he's a break. maintaining his innocence. And I would love to hear Pedro's story. Well, the state had dozens of witnesses, and the defense had one, and it's Pedro. And it's Pedro. <laughs> and who is still to this day admitting that he's the last person to see Christian alive. So, like, Pedro. But doesn't know what happened to him. Okay. Yeah. Or is he still going with the story of, like, I'm so mad he was a good friend like and right. we're not buying it Pedro <laughs> move along so it's August 15th 2014 it's the last day of a two-week trial yeah there are nine counts that are that include murder and kidnapping and poisoning and the jury comes back and he's guilty of first-degree murder and he's sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole it's so funny like back in the early days of TCO we used to always say don't end on forgiveness like it makes me so mad don't end on forgiveness yeah. but in this instance Carlos the dad is saying do I hate Pedro no I have uh, going through the process of trying to forget him 
but not yet. I'm going through the process of trying to forgive him, but I'm not there yet. He says, forget him. He says, forget him? He says, forget him. And I thought that, like, blew me away. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought he said, forgive him. Like, forgive? No way, but forget? Like, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, then don't end on forgiveness. We are vindicated. Yeah. Yeah. But he also says, I haven't heard from him or his family saying I'm sorry. And he says they still believe they can fool the rest of the people. And Carlos says, no, my son was not killed by a ghost. Right. Like, Pedro, you did this. Yeah. I've thought so much about this over the years. Yeah. That, like, if somebody killed somebody I really loved, I do think I would try to forgive them. I wouldn't. Because it's for me. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to think about them all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to move on with my life. And I, and this is different for everybody. I'm not saying that that's, that that would be your life, but like I wouldn't want to stay angry. Like the fury would always be there. I just don't want to like live with hate in my soul. Yeah. Can I quote Taylor Swift Please. in this amazing interview that she did? And I love this where she has this theory that I also subscribe to that you don't have to forgive and you don't have to forget in order to move on from something. Uh-huh. Those things don't have to happen. You just sort of move on and then you become indifferent. Uh-huh. And you, you don't have to have hate in your heart, but like you also don't have to forgive. You can just move on and then yeah. that person's nothing. Yeah. And that's... I think more realistic and that's sort of how I do things. Like I'm not going to hold hate in my heart, but it's also like, I'm not forgiving you either. And I'm not forgetting what you did to me, Uh huh. but I forgot that you existed. All now. right. Taylor Swift for the win. We'll right? go with that. Don't it's worry. really good. It's a really good clip. Hey Tom, <laughs> Tom, our editor, also a Swifty. Yes. Um, but it ends actually even better because Christian's family now works with other families who've been through a similar experience. Yes. And they started the Christian Aguilar search and rescue foundation, which is all about canine search and rescue. Yes. The logo's a paw print. The focus the search and rescue dogs, which played a huge role in uh, the search for Chris. I have two dogs that are trained for search and rescue, and we have participated in successful and unsuccessful searches. You know, something like this can be changed to love instead of hate this can be turned into love instead of hate, which I think is beautiful. And even more beautiful, the university gave Christian his biomedical engineering degree. And Carlos, the dad says he's the first Latin American to receive it in Florida and he graduated. So he's officially a gator. Oh, no, I'm going to cry. I know. Oh my God, that good work, University of Florida. That's yeah. beautiful. And his fa- so it's the Christian Aguilar Search and Rescue Foundation. I just want to shout that out one more oh time. Oh my God. I think it's amazing. And they're helping other families. And, yes. like, and we hear this all the time and it happens in every situation, but horrible situations like this, you can't really get it unless you've been through it. Of course. And so to have like a family who's been through it running a foundation like this, yeah. other families must find so much comfort in that, that they you're here, you're heard, you're seen, yes. you're in good hands with Christian's family for sure. Girl, we did. What's it called? So it's uh, the second episode of Death in the Dorms, but it is about Christian Aguilar. Yes. Um, fam, join us on the Patreon. Over 400 full ad-free bonus episodes. That's the what you get right away, right? Yeah. You get one every week. I am so excited about the new things that we're doing. We're doing all of these like virtual events so we can all kind of hang out together. We're doing Drag Bingo every month. We're doing Happy Hour sometime soon. Okay. We're doing a magic show. Yeah. We hired a, a magician from Chicago. She's coming to New York 
and we're gonna sit with her, do it like a virtual magic show. She's been doing virtual Pick magic a card, shows. Any card. Yeah, since the pandemic. So this is like a thing that she does. Fun. We're doing happy hours and whatever. It's it's all there. Come join the Pates fam so you can be a part of this stuff with us. Yes. Um, and join the Facebook group if you wanna like hang out and make new friends. Yeah. Oh, and just really quickly, I'm going on tour. I'm gonna be uh in the month of March. I'm gonna be I'm doing the last five versions of my book party show. Oh, because it's changing. Because it's changing and we're not calling it the book party show when I go back out on tour. It's like a whole new thing. So these are the last shows. I'm coming to, I don't know if these are in order, but I'm coming to Louisville, Columbus. Red Bank. Red Bank, New Jersey, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. Okay, great. Definitely not in that order, but come and see me. <laughs> Meet other members of the family. It's going to be so much fun. PatrickFails.com. Okay, great. Uh, what are we doing next? We are doing the Dolly Madison murders. It is on Tubi and also on YouTube. What is Dolly Madison? Dolly Madison was a bakery. Oh. And there was a, a... I was thinking Holly Madison. No, no, no. That's the Playboy Murders. That's on our list. Oh, we, okay, have, good, we, good. Have, we have coverage of that for sure. That's Got an ex- excellent show. But yeah, this was a, ba- a murder that happened at a bakery. And all of these years later, it's a really heartbreaking, but very interesting and well-made documentary. All right. Well, stay tuned for the trailer for that and our funny and hilarious outtakes. Yeah. And we'll see you later. Okay, bye. Come to Drag Bingo. You won't regret oh it. Oh my God. It's so much fun. Okay, bye. <laughs> To the west is a bank. Caddy Corner is a McDonald's. If you're going to rob someplace, I would think somewhere other than a day-old bread store where you could literally walk in at that time and buy three loaves of bread for a dollar and then not even take all the money in the register. Two decades and no arrests after two women were murdered inside the Dolly Madison Bakery in Great Bend. The general public that was there, were, were, of course, they were... They were concerned. So is this blood back here? That's not blood. That can't be blood. Yes, it is. It was 360 degrees from what you're seeing right there. You know, somebody got away with a homicide. It happens. And 20 years later, they've got away with it so far. They just let it sit. They just didn't do it. Why the hell are you not? Why in the hell are you not? This guy's probably walking past us every day. He could be in the store with us. Although I was one of the poor kids who had the free uh, meal ticket. So you had to like, the poor kids got like a lunch card that you would have to go get from the lunch lady and then like wait in line to pay for your food. Instead of paying for it, you handed them the thing that they just stamped. Yeah. And it was embarrassing because I was poor. I'm sorry. (laughs) The wire of the headphones was in my hoodie because it's freezing cold in here. Sorry. Are you happy that it's freezing cold? One day I forgot to turn on the air conditioning and it was too hot in here. Well, it was the middle of July. We were in a heat wave. (laughs) No, this was like like 104 degrees. No, remember last week? It was like two weeks ago because it's like hot. It's hot in here because the heat is never. It's too hard to explain to the people. Yeah, no, the heat. It's like a hot box in here because it's it's soundproof. So when the heat is on and the door is closed all day, it's a little stuffy. Remember before we had a booth and we just were recording in my living room. I think about it all the time. We've I'm not so, kidding. I think about it every day. Fam. 